to Telling the Tale. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and I'm here as per usual with my co-host, Dustin Jackson. Hey, Dustin, how's it going? It's going great, Mitchell. I don't have a joke this week because today is kind of uh, a weird one, and my schedule's all thrown off, and I've got these, like, weird hives, and I'm and I'm experiencing vertigo, so, you know, Are no those time last two jokes. real? I didn't know about those last two. No. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> No, I was, we're recording later than normal, and I just, I like just barely got home, and I did not have time to think of a funny little intro joke. Yeah, well, I'm glad that- Them's the breaks. I'm glad you were just stealing valor from the hives lobby, and not actually suffering from hives. Uh, Thanks. (laughs) Dustin, I played a little video game recently. Oh yeah? What was it called? Mirror's Edge. Wow, I've heard of that one. I played another one. You want to know this one, too? No, but go ahead and tell me. Beyond the Alley of the Dolls. The Oh, fourth... I played that one, too. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah, I think. Oh, we can probably make this episode about that, then. I was hoping we both played Mirror's Edge, but we can... <laughs> it's fine. Better luck next week. Yeah, better luck... <laughs> one of these days, it's going to be about Mirror's Edge. <laughs> it's just going to happen to sync up. Yeah. I mean, we're always, we're both always playing Mirror's Edge, just not at the same time. So, <laughs> uh, I played it back on Tuesday. Uh, uh, maybe next time. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with um, a, a very thin opening feeling I had from the game. Ooh. Which is, this episode feels much shorter than other episodes really to me it did by the time i finished it it uh it turned out that it wasn't uh it, i mean it was a little shorter than other episodes in this season but not like a lot mm-hmm. um yeah that's interesting do you think it's because uh time flies when you're having fun uh no <laughs> i think it's because of the act structure this episode does have a very interesting, weird act structure to it. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, I'll just say, I liked it. Do you like it? Yeah, I like this episode a lot. I feel like there's a lot of very interesting... I I did feel that, too. It felt like... Uh, I wasn't quite sure, like, at what point in the episode I was a lot of the time. Yeah. It, But I did enjoy just about everything in the episode. Yeah, so I I like it a lot. It definitely feels let me know if you agree or disagree with this. This feels like the largest scope of a oh, story. To- totally, especially in the last act of it. Yeah. But even before that, just like having all these Sam clones, I feel like it f- the scope feels bigger at least to me because we don't know the reach that these sam clones get like these sam clones could be everywhere this could be like a worldwide thing it kind of feels like to me it's you know it's never really implied that it is that you never see outside of the town you just see the sam clones around but it feels like this is like a big thing going on to compare this very interesting video game to a slightly less interesting but more popular and well-known article of pop culture this episode <laughs> is a lot like avengers infinity war in terms of like being really the big battle of sam and max the big bad guy of the devil's playhouse 
series is revealed. And I'll tell you it right now. It's Charlie Hotep. It's the puppet. Oh, no. Not yeah. Charlie Hotep. Um, and... Really? Avengers bigger than Sam and Max? Okay. <laughs> well, they're both owned by people. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> I was going to say they're both owned by Disney, but then I, I, I re- remembered that LucasArts doesn't own Sam and Max. But Steve Purcell does work at Disney. Or Pixar Yeah, he works at uh, Pixar. And I think Disney does own Sam and Max Hit the Road. Just not the yeah. IP. I wonder if... I, I, I wonder how much Steve Purcell is an individual, though, with his IP ownerships now that he works at Pixar. Because I, I would not be surprised if just, I don't know, Disney's a very litigious company in that way. Maybe they own part of it now, somehow. I would think not, just because, you know, we were able to get that VR game. We oh, got yeah, these remasters. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Disney's name would be on that somehow, if, if that mattered. Um, man, Pixar should make a Sam and Max movie. I'd be for it. I don't know, you know how that hasn't happened. The only Pixar movies that I know for a fact that Steve Purcell worked on are kind of some of the lesser ones. Like, obviously, not his fault. He works in the animation part of it. Maybe his but, fault. But uh, it's possible. <laughs> let's let's uh, lay all our cards on the table. I don't Steve know. Purcell... Could have been his fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to jump to conclusions. As much as it but... could have been anyone's. I don't know. Uh, I think he worked on the Cars movies and Brave. Right. I know in the art books for him, there's some pictures. He, he did this wonderful picture for Cars um, that shows what the cars are inside. And it, it, it's like an anatomy picture where, you know, it's half the car and then you see the insides of it. And the joke is inside of every car, there is a caveman driving it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's awesome. Oh, and he, he, he voices a character in Brave, too. He voices a crow. Yeah, that that can't be the most recent thing he did, though, right? Because he that was no. Brave was like ten years ago. Yeah, I feel like if you're at Pixar, he he would have been on more. Those are the only ones I know he's been on. Though. Yeah, Brave was the one that seemed like he had the most creative involvement. Um, yeah, well, but... kind of. It's mostly just because um, the original director uh, left a project, and so he kind of stepped in. Uh, hmm. And he and he co-directed with someone else, so they stepped in after uh, uh, she left. There should it was, have it was been a troubled production. Should have been a picture of Sam and Max like on the wall, like Monkey Island did, for, <laughs> for that same reason. That's true. Max is also in Day of the Tentacle, which I love a great deal. Yeah, and Steve Purcell. By Dustin, you still got to play Loom. That's true. I was watching a uh, Monkey Island documentary this morning, and they talked about both Steve Purcell and Loom on there. Yeah, because it was co-developed. The first Monkey Island was co-developed with Loom at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if, if you play Loom, you got to make sure you're playing the EGA version, not the VGA version. Ooh, why is that? Well, so old computers, I don't know how mm-hmm. familiar you are with the graphics terms, but just for listeners out there, potentially, old computers had three kinds of graphical output potential. They had CGA graphics, 
which are four colors. You got white, black, pink, and like cyan. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's like some of the earliest computers you'll see CGA graphics. Uh, all of the color information is four bit or two bit. It's two bit. Wow. Um, because two. It, yeah, it's like the cyan is on, the magenta is on, or they're both on, and that's white, and they're both off, and that's uh, black. So that's two bit. So that's uh, CGA. That sucks to look at. Never played that. <laughs> But <laughs> existing just in a more high end of computer, but at the same time, was uh, EGA graphics, which stands for Computer Graphics A. I don't know what the A stands for. <laughs> or, or so CGA is Computer Graphics, EGA is Electronic Graphics. Um, okay. A. And <laughs> that's 16 colors. That's what the original Monkey Island and the original Loom were designed in. Uh, oh. So, like, that's that's what the original version of that game is. And if you see a, a version of, like, the original Monkey Island, and it, it looks pixelated, and uh, then when you go into a dialogue, sometimes it shows you, like, a really well-detailed, um, pixelated, like, realistic-looking face. Mm-hmm. That means you're not playing the original version because that's the the highest of the three. That's VGA, which stands for Video Graphics A. Wow, Video Graphics. Yeah, it's technology, huh? Yeah. So CG CGA is four colors. Uh, EGA is sixteen, and then. Uh, VGA is like 256 colors. Uh, Do you know which one is on Steam? And follow-up question, is it on Steam? Uh, you mean Loom or, or Monkey yeah, Island? Yeah, Loom. Uh, let me find out right now. I think it is, but I can't, I don't remember. I have no problem derailing the conversation of this podcast to talk about Loom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it. So tell me about Loom. It's the wrong one. It's it, the graphics are too good. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Um unless it like offers other versions of it. I I'll I'll tell you this much, Dustin. I I know how to I I I think you can get maybe the original version on GOG. Maybe oh, I'll look I'll okay. look that I have up. a GOG account. I'll, I'll look into GOG or Loom on GOG, uh, see what you, they got. You, you folks listening to this can't see it right now, but Mitch is wearing an Ask Me About Loom button. <laughs> uh, no, it's the wrong one, too. But it might... Oh, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's it's VGA graphics. So you're, you, what you really, really want is is to find a version of Loom that specifically is EGA graphics. Uh, Loom is much more important to do this for than Monkey Island. I think Monkey Island actually looks better in the, you know, the updated graphics, but it's still not the original version of the game. So if that matters to you, then, you know, Loom, I would say it's not the original version of the game and it doesn't like the gameplay, I think is affected by the graphics because some of the drawings are less purposeful. That's too bad. It's how it is. Um, but I really like Loom. Why did we start talking about Loom? I don't remember. Oh, Steve Purcell worked yeah. on Loom, and he was the character animator. Um, 
And there's this one scene in Loom where a guy explodes. Sorry for <laughs> for Loom spoilers, because this really is a very fun part of the game to watch. Uh, <laughs> but the animation for this guy exploding in EGA graphics with only 16 colors and only like a few areas of parallax they can use. It's mm-hmm. immaculate. Best guy explosion animation I've ever seen. <laughs> Steve Purcell is a genius for being able to do wow. it. Wow. High praise. Yeah. No, I, I'll, I'll I'll YouTube it or I'll find it on YouTube after the episode and, and send it to you. And you'll, you'll see what I mean. It's a good okay. guy explosion. I uh, guess I'll keep an eye out for that specific version of Loom to play. Yeah, I don't know. How, I mean, I know it's around, but I, I don't know how to pay for it, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, the 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 age old video game morality question. <laughs> oh, we struggle with it every day. Beyond the Alley of the Dolls, however, was released on July twentieth, <laughs> two thousand uh, ten. Fifteen minutes in, it was directed by Dennis Lenart and uh, written and designed by the same team as uh, I think last week, Mike Stemmel and Penny. Oh. Can I just say this is a great name for an episode? It's it's very attention grabby. Beyond the Alley of the Dolls. I will say that it is it's very tonally good. It means next to nothing. Well, <laughs> I I don't know about that. You go into the alley and there is the doll Charlie Hotep. Multiple do- dolls. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you're you're right. I I guess you could consider the clones dolls. Maybe I think that's if, the if impli- you really want to stretch it. That's like the 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 implication. There, Charlie Hotep is a doll, and then these clones are sort of like dolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like Charlie Hotep uses you as a doll. So I guess there's that. But mostly, it is a very effortless um, parody of the movie The Valley of the Dolls. Because right. alleys are like valleys. <laughs> uh, have you ever <laughs> they seen have some of the same letters? No, I have not, but I've heard of it. I haven't either. I know that um, it's a 1960s movie, a horror movie made by like, you know. <laughs> Filmmakers. Filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sharon um, so Tate's these... in it. I know that about it because I, I oh. uh, I'm reading the novelization of Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is about Sharon Tate, uh, and they talk a little bit about how she was in the Valley of the Dolls, and it was uh, I think directed by Roman Polanski. Oh, do they st- in that novelization? Do they still have like uh, a section with colored photos? The cover. Oh, because I remember in elementary school when we read novelizations of movies, they had like colorful little pictures in the middle. Oh, yeah. So, but I take it this isn't a junior novelization. No, (laughs) no, this is a it's it's a novelization of a Tarantino movie (laughs) uh, written by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, Uh, okay. Yeah, he did his own novelization because he was he said. In an interview at some point, I, I remember him saying, like, no one does book novelizations of movies anymore, and it's for good reason. Why would you make something that is hard to make 
based on a movie that like people already want to see the movie more it's hard to get them to read a book why would you do this so the market sort of fizzled out on it but he just liked the idea so much and he couldn't get anyone to write it so he was like well i'm just gonna i'm gonna do it kind Uh, of a uh, kind of a passion project kind of a passion project it was also i think how he spent the the quarantine oh okay yeah writing a i guess that is one way to do it yeah, like it's better than have, what I did, I guess. <laughs> have you ever seen those fake novelizations for Austin Powers? Uh, no. I I could have sworn our good friend Jeff had brought them up before. So maybe someone, I mean I, I could have forgotten. Someone brought up uh someone made fake uh novelizations of the Austin Powers movies, just like a couple pages and they're the funniest things in the world to me okay do you mind if i read one i know we're talking sure. you know about... go this is what we're doing today i guess <laughs> yeah it's fine look we'll get to the episode the episode's great but awesome powers novelization i'll read the first one it kills me every time all right open up imager um Inger, wow <laughs> Uh, should, should it not be Imger? Probably. <laughs> I, no, okay, I think you're right. I think you're correct. I'm just saying Imger sounds uh, like more of a thing to me, but... It sounds a little more presentable to mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Mom, I was on <laughs> Imger today, and I saw the loveliest butt. And like, she was like, what did you say? And I said, we the loveliest butt. You need to be we able call to... call it imager in this household. <laughs> oh, it was, that's okay. the part you, you were hung up on? <laughs> Sorry. But, 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 okay, here's the first page. Uh, so the tweet says, still enthralled by the novelizations of the Austin Powers movies. And then the image is, uh, <laughs> it says, I've gone the wrong shagging way, Austin thought to himself, groovily. <laughs> Austin stopped the cart and attempted to turn around. However, Dr. Evil's dastardly corridor walls were too close together to make a U-turn. Austin had to think fast. He turned a little one way, then reversed a little, then turned, then reversed, <laughs> on and on for minutes until the cart he was driving was perfectly wedged perpendicularly between the unsexy walls. Yeah, baby, said nobody since this was not good. <laughs> uh... There, there's a few there's there's like four more but i'm only gonna read that one because we have a sam and max to get to but boy, it puts a smile on my on my little face every time we've done this before for uh for episodes we don't care about but this i care i like this episode yeah i like I this episode a lot i'm so drawn to not talk about it but well let's get to it so we start out with uh our ragtag group well we start out seeing stinky throwing or girl stinky throwing plates at grandpa stinky she's uh she's pissed off at him because he fired sal she he fired our good friend sal mm-hmm. and then do. uh then sam and max come running in because they're being chased by uh the samuel Acra. um which are clones so of they, sam we need to yes. introduce that idea also before I go on, have you seen the artwork for the Sam clones, like the concept art for them, or promo art, not concept art? Uh, in the in the game, they look very—I uh, don't want to say creepy, but they are a little unsettling. But the artwork for them makes them look goofy as all shit. Look at this. Well, in the game, they're just Sam without any clothes. Yeah, the 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 dopey expression in the promo. Yeah. Art. Is. It, it makes them feel a lot more goofy, but in the game, I'd argue they're like, uh, 
they they are just Sam, but they're a little. They kind of put you on edge. I mean, I think they put you on edge just because it's the wrong emotion for the context a lot of the time in their face. Yeah. But I don't think any of their facial expressions are things that real Sam hasn't done. I don't think they, they've made like a bunch of new expressions for them and stuff. New right. animations. Um, y- you're right. Goofy, real like brain dead Sam clones would maybe be scarier. Um but but uh, to follow up, uh, <laughs> Stinky the Stinkies tried to have an argument, but it's co-opted very quickly by the crowd of Sams that want to chase down Sam, Max, and Skunkape. So the five of them go back inside Stinky's diner and try to, like, barricade the walls and shoot through the holes. Uh, Shaun of the Dead style, uh, Walking Dead style. Night of the Raving Dead style. Night of the Living Dead style. <laughs> yeah, um, this episode immediately gave me uh, Walking Dead uh, flashbacks. This came before Telltale's Walking Dead, but yeah. there's a part in episode one of season one that's basically this. You're uh, cooped up in a uh, in a convenience store with with this gang of characters. It's basically the exact same thing, except no one's making funny jokes. It's interesting that this kind of situation can feel like familiar, like, oh, well, yeah, when, so when zombies come, this is what you do, despite the fact that in real life, none of us have ever done this. There's like no purpose to do this. So well, speak for yourself. <laughs> well, I'll speak. I will speak for myself and I'll say that <laughs> I've never been attacked by a horde of zombies. And I assume that most of our listeners, if not all have also not been attacked by a horde of zombies. So, like, it, it's it's something that is highly, if not entirely, theoretical. <laughs> uh, <laughs> th- th- this hypothetical version of, of us that barricades the doors and shoots through the holes in the wood. Um, but every movie is like, well, of course this is what you do, because haven't you done this before? It feels almost like they're trying <laughs> to pull from reality in a way that is impossible, because... We haven't done this before. Obviously, you board up the the restaurant you go into and block the door with a single table. Yeah, and then someone sits at a table and they don't help every time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in, in every version of the thing. And then like someone's behind the bar for some reason, even though that's not where things are. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then like... both Both Max and Grandpa Stinky are having a great time in here, though. Yeah, Max is having a great time shooting all the Sams. It seems like this is something Max always wanted to do. (laughs) Uh, And ditto for Grandpa Stinky, who also seems to want to have killed Max or Sam uh, long, long ago. And Girl Stinky (laughs) is just sort of texting. She's not phased, and this is probably how she would have spent her time anyway. Really, you controlling the real Sam are the only person who cares that you need to get out of this situation, uh, which is, is a fun way to spin the, the situation of everyone being stressed and upset and trying to get out. In Sam and Max, is like, well, you know, we've dealt with worse, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> even Sam isn't, like, that bothered. Like, you're just kind of walking around calmly the whole time. He wants to figure this out, but he doesn't seem, like, particularly stressed. Yeah, because Sam... 
will just uh, go around. He spends most of the time in my playthrough eating peanut butter and fudge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I love that animation of Sam just constantly licking the top of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> this this was the puzzle I remembered. Like, from the get-go, I was like, I remember I gotta get the ball of peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't... I did not remember most of this episode. Um, I, I, actually, I think this is the episode I actually remembered the most of. Like, all of this was very familiar. We're always I different even, like that. We're always little yeah. an- antonyms. Yeah, sometimes we're one thing and the other's the other. But, like, I, I can so clearly remember where i was playing the finale of this episode where were you the first time i was at my friend's house i was just uh we were just hanging out i think i like stayed the night because they uh they lived far away from where i lived so i would just uh stay the night over there and then they would drive me back and so i just had my laptop on me and i was like okay look we had hangout time now is sam and max time i uh i'm getting to a that point that makes me life. sound where so, I sorry, miss that I, so much. Yeah, it just hanging out with friends. I mean, you can still do it, but it's a little less uh, yeah special. Bec- it, it doesn't feel like a big event because you can just go out and do it whenever. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I want to defend myself because that made me sound like a really bad friend. Uh, let me just say my friend was playing video games first. I, I brought out my video game because they were playing a different one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I wasn't just like my assumption I, when you I know said you that was just it. that you were sort of like not playing together because it's a single player game. But single player yeah. games are secretly the best multiplayer games. Yeah, because like one person can watch and then you can trade off whenever the other wants to play. I do that all the time with friends, like just playing games or like the Switch Online games. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of those games are single-player, but you can switch control at any time. It turns every single game into a co-op game, and that's awesome. But even if you don't, I remember I watched my friend John uh, growing up. He played through Shadow the Hedgehog (laughs) with me just watching. That was a great experience. Because you didn't (laughs) have to play it? Yeah, because he loved it. And despite the fact that he loved it, I think he shouldn't have, <laughs> but also I didn't have that context yet of like, well, if I played this, how would I feel? So I was just going based off like his reactions of like, I'm having a wonderful time. Uh, so I thought like, we're, I'm also having a wonderful time because I'm watching the story, which is really all I want out of a Shadow the Hedgehog game. Yeah, and exactly. It worked. You both got yeah. what you wanted out of it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that man. wasn't this, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> but I so clearly remember doing this finale and being like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" Yeah, it's a big, it, it's it's a big thing. Where, well, okay, we'll get to it. But yeah. getting <laughs> getting out of this restaurant, this diner, is Act One. You can do it by finding one of Stinky Girl Stinky's uh, backup secret tunnels under the jukebox uh, by doing some stuff. And then once you go in there, there's tons of stuff down there. There's there's a, a tunnel to Mama Bosco's house. There's a tunnel to uh, the Museum of Natural History. There's uh, and and there's then, a ton of cloning chambers. Yeah, the cloning chambers are the biggest thing in like the center of the tunnels. All the tunnels were dug by Har- uh, Harry Moleman, and <laughs> they're used by Stinky Girl Stinky to like 
covert with her boyfriend, who in this episode is revealed to be Sal, even though I thought it was pretty obvious last episode that it wasn't Skunk Ape, that it was Sal. Because they were trying to yeah. sell it like it's maybe Skunk Ape, but no. Yeah, in the in the first episode even, she was like, oh, I, don't, I hate this guy, but uh, yeah. I guess I'll sit over here to get away from Sam and Max. Yeah, he's got that white purple fur that we all love <laughs> in, in a potential mate. So What a catch. Yeah. Uh but no, it's Sal, the giant cockroachman. Uh <laughs> cockroachman. Yeah. Uh that's my favorite thing you've ever said. <laughs> I try to do one of those per episode. <laughs> uh so so you you go around, try to solve some mysteries and stuff. Uh what you try to do eventually is turn off the machine. You do this by having Mama Bosco put her hand on a thing, and then you you just turn off the cloning devices, and uh, like that that's what you're working toward. But it's a hard thing to do uh, because it requires getting rid of some spirit tentacles from the dark dimension that you need to go through multiple different dimensions in order to find a decathulator or something uh that <laughs> lets you kill things from the dark dimension the chthonic destroyer chthonic destroyer oh yeah and at at first mom and bosco is nowhere to be seen so you need to hold a seance for her to come back into the into the world of the living but she's still just a ghost so then you need to clone a body for her based on a combination of her dna and bosco's um which is a whole thing and then, meanwhile, you you need to deal with the fact that Girl Stinky is just being, like, the most uncooperative someone could possibly be. <laughs> uh, and th- through all of that, that eventually leads you outside to an alley of the dolls, I suppose. Whoa, there's dolls out in this alley. There's dolls in them thar alleys. Uh, where you find the... Uh, you find where the master of the clones is and you're about to discover who it is but then uh in order to get into this building where you'd find out where the master is and who he is you you need to use your psychic toys you need to use your uh charlie hotep uh ventriloquism voice throwing and in doing so Charlie just says, no, actually, I have my own will all of a sudden. I'm going to be really freaky and weird. Uh, <laughs> and then you do that. And it that freaked me out the first time. I remember that being pretty scary. It's it's a very unsettling design for Charlie Hotep. It, I feel like even more so than your usual uh, evil, crazy dummy. Well, it, it's, it's your, gross. Your textbook dummy. It's a weird thing, but then also just everything for the last four episodes has been preparing you to use these psychic toys. And then when you click on Charlie Hotep to use it in this scene, you like start to see the animation that would be about using it. But then Charlie just goes, no, (laughs) (laughs) Um, sorry, sorry. (laughs) And it's, it's scary. It's freaky. Yeah um chucky vibes yeah i i feel like from um, rugrats 
<laughs> <laughs> yeah, he turns to you and he says, I don't know about this, Tommy. I need a mob. That'll last forever. <laughs> uh, Mitch, we both knew that song. I'm so happy. If you ever are on a call with our mutual friend Jeff, Dustin, you should definitely sing that song to him and just see what his reaction is. <laughs> he, he's got feelings about that song. Oh boy, now I need to know. Yeah. Uh, so that's act two. And that's... well In, in every other I, I Sam like and Max kinda, game, that would be two acts. I feel like we kind of skipped a little part. Okay. So... um. I hope I didn't black out and miss it entirely and you did bring it up, but do we bring up that we go to the museum and find out a little something something? I didn't. I brought up that the museum is there through the tunnels, tunnels, but I didn't. You're right. Uh, So you do go to the museum and you break your way into uh, Paperweight's office where you find out that Paperweight has been uh, uh, Professor Quill from Sorcerer's Stone uh, with Yog sagoth <laughs> Does that sentence... Do people know what I mean by that? Yog, I get it. <laughs> Yog sagoth is growing out of him the way Voldemort was growing out of Professor Quill. <laughs> uh, now people get it. Now, now you must get it. <laughs> I assume everyone's seen... <laughs> Harry Potter. It would be it, it would be very strange to me if you could make it to like adulthood in 2021 without ever seeing Harry Potter. Yeah, like I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen the first one. I feel like most people have at least seen the first one. Yeah, like if you fall off before the end, that's understandable. It is eight movies. That's not a small amount of movies. Yeah. Uh, or books. But come on, let's be real movies. <laughs> Uh, so it, it that you're right that would be strange to me if someone it would be even stranger to me if someone had a tentacled uh little man coming out of their chest right if they both had that and haven't seen or read sorcerer's stone or philosopher's stone that would, I would be the not most talk strange i would leave i would not talk with them i would say those are two red flags I would also not talk to them, but if I can be honest, it's mostly about the squid guy growing out of his chest and not the Harry <laughs> Potter thing. Yeah, it's it it just kind of builds up. Yeah, the squid guy is definitely the straw that broke the camel's back in that situation. <laughs> uh, but I will say, if if it were uh, if it were Yog Sagoth slash Doctor Norrington, as he likes to be called here, um, I don't know. I wouldn't be that opposed to it. I like Doctor Norrington. Yeah, so you find out that the Dr. Norrington that Paperweight's been talking to for the last couple episodes is Yogg-Sagoth, and that's like a name Yogg-Sagoth chose for himself to be referred to by in English, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but... He said it's because Yogg-Sagoth in your uh, human tongue sounds like their word for uh, pooping. Right. I mean that so he's just like ew. Don't say that. Just call me like, just call me like Doctor Norrington or something. Yeah, like if my name was Dick Haver, but everyone called <laughs> me Dick Haver, I would be upset about that because it's way more funny if it's Haver. No, come on, you guys. My name's Dick Haver. Come on, I have. That's the joke. You guys. My parents didn't name me this for you to not joke about it. 
so yeah, he he's Doctor Norrington, and it turns out that whoever is doing all of this stuff that's been happening for the last couple of episodes and orchestrating all the strings uh, be- behind the stuff that's going on is not trying to summon Yog Sagoth because Yog Sagoth is summoned. That happened. Yeah, in he's episode been here. Two, we, we saw that yeah. happen in Paperweight's chest. Uh, who they're trying to summon is Junior, Yog Sagoth's grandson from the Dark Dimension, who's this impossibly giant, evil, corpulent monster uh, who is just all about uh, destruction and consumption, but also is a baby within Dark Dimension years. Yeah. So um, that's what the toys of power are all about. They're babies' toys for yeah, an elder his god. Toys. Um, which makes sense because if you're an adult, you can have toys, but you don't keep them in a box. You keep them in a purse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so Junior is is really the objective of it all. So whoever's doing all this stuff is trying to get Junior. Out. And it turns out that Charlie Hotep, at least according to his own description later on in the episode, was Junior's favorite toy. We soon find out that that might not be the case. Can't, I, I can't really tell. So l- let's actually just jump to that. Uh, okay. Third act, after you sort of get bamboozled by Charlie Hotep, is Charlie... Uh, playing a song on the piano at the top of the uh, Statue of Liberty uh, that controls all of the Sam clones and gets them to sacrifice themselves to Junior because Junior needs like a thousand blood sacrifices in order to be alive in the material plane. And the easiest way to do that is just to clone a thousand things. It is kind of neat that these clones kind of have two purposes. One is to get the toys, and then the other is to sacrifice themselves. So it's, it's, I, I don't know. I guess just good writing that they have more than one purpose. Yeah, I, it seems. It seems honestly that despite the fact that the toys are all they think about, and it, it, most of the episode is about them getting the toys, th- the fact that they're getting the toys is just something they're doing on the side and their main. Thing. Yeah, this seems like the main purpose. Yeah, their main purpose is killing themselves to bring up about Junior. I don't like that thinking about it. I don't like like a bunch of Sams just killing themselves. Well, that's what it is, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but guess what? That's the way it is. Sometimes life, life isn't, isn't all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> I was about to say exactly that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the third act. And the way you can sort of beat him there, it you have to sort of think outside the box because Max is stuck at the bottom of the Eiffel Tower and there's not much that he can do to like move around. Sam is being puppeteered by Charlie Hotep, uh, and he can't really move on his own, own accord. Charlie lets Sam speak, and uh, that from that he can sort of instigate some stuff. What you need to do is talk to Yogg-Sagoth, and yet get Yogg-Sagoth to tell Charlie Hotep that Junior didn't even like Charlie very much. Yeah, he thought he was... Uh... Creepy Charlie, yeah. would call him. 
It, a very Donald Trump-esque nickname. <laughs> Do you think we would have been better off with Charlie Hotep in office? Than Joe Biden? No, than Donald Trump. Uh, probably not because he wanted to summon an <laughs> elder god to destroy I guess reality. that's true. I guess that's true, but I like that you didn't answer right away. I mean, I don't like Donald Trump, but... <laughs> He Between the two, lesser of two evils. I I mean, like, there's a time for comedic ex- exaggeration, but Charlie Hotep <laughs> did literally try to destroy the material plane as we know That's it. That's true. So it's, I feel it's like, hard to I compare. Feel like, <laughs> I feel like that would not be a very good president now that I think about it. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff I don't like about Trump, probably also true about Charlie Hotep. He gives off that vibe for sure. Yeah, he probably says some not great things. Yeah, he probably, yeah, I don't even want to get into it, how, <laughs> how much this guy likes being peed on. Whatever. <laughs> that does come up three or four times. <laughs> uh, so so I, it, it's for that reason that I'm not actually sure if that thing about Junior not liking Charlie is real, uh, because it seems like something Yogg-Sagoth just said in order to get charlie annoyed the the impression i get is that it is real and that's why he gets annoyed he charlie knows it's true i could see that too i guess i'm just not sure um yeah we never i mean we never find out the exact truth but that that's just the impression that i got that's the impression that i get but uh but charlie is is very much a, a woody from toy story one situation where like he he loves his his player, I guess you could say. He, he loves his uh, junior, and he would do anything to be played with again. He wants to be mm-hmm. an active toy instead of hanging around in the toy box waiting for a child to play with him. That's funny you mention that, since in the original version of Toy Story 1, Woody was a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, and he was much meaner too, right? Like he was, Yeah, he was an asshole. He was like the bad guy, right? Yeah, well, I feel like it would have played out basically the same. You know, Woody would have come around, he would have learned his lesson, but he was much, much more of an asshole than in the final version. I really like how Toy Story 1 turned out, and I think that it still would have been better if they did that. <laughs> wow, I don't know if I agree. Have you, You've seen the clip of it, right? Yeah, I think he should have been more of an asshole, because like, <laughs> what you really want is for that scene when they're under the truck outside Pizza Palace mm-hmm. or Pizza Planet. Pizza Palace is not the same. Uh, <laughs> when they're outside Pizza Planet under the truck and Woody is Tom Hanks and says, you are a toy! And <laughs> Buzz... He is Tom Hanks. Yeah, he he's Tom Hanks when he says that. <laughs> and uh, Buzz has like a, a really weird like coming to jesus moment where he's like what if what if i is toy and he has to like really reckon with it and it's about being brought down to earth in a very disrespectful way like the truth but how do you make the truth feel wrong uh and, and it it is almost an allegory for religion and how that y- you can get someone to come around to believing in uh 
a more realistic state of mind but if you do it in in a way that uh disrespects them you're you kind of just break them and you remove their toy-like soul and that's Uh what toy story one is about to me uh so i don't know i think it would have been fun if woody was just a little bit more of an asshole sometimes that's all i have to say same deal with epic mickey (laughs) though with toy story i i love epic mickey do you? I could do I could do a podcast about Ep- I think Epic Mickey despite its problems gameplay-wise, I think it's the most amazing idea for a story. I think they should have done a movie of Epic Mickey. Cuz like the the game gameplay-wise it has its problems. I I can overlook them, but I know a lot of people couldn't. But I think if you take the story, the part that's like really good, you could turn it into a movie and it would be amazing. I, maybe. I mean, it's possible it couldn't have, but I would have gone to see it. I think there's two major problems with Epic Mickey that just are too big for me to ignore, even though I really mm-hmm. like it a lot. At least the first one. Um, the first is that they had this idea that Mickey's corruptible. So you can do things that are sort of tend toward good and make Mickey look more cartoony and more angelic and mm-hmm. like more of a force of good but there you can also do things that go the other direction and originally they were going to make him look more evil and sort of deranged and i mm-hmm. think that if they were courageous they would have kept that in the game <laughs> uh but because i get why they didn't though it's you, you know well it's they, disney's corporate mascot the fact that they were able to go as far as they did yeah is uh a lot on its own uh they really wanted to and disney told them they couldn't uh yeah and i i that's what that's one reason i think epic mickey is not as good as it could be the other is that the the name of the video game is epic mickey mm-hmm. and that's that's bad <laughs> that's a bad name for something <laughs> it's mickey but he's so epic yeah that was 2010 <laughs> when like corporations were realizing Epic might be the coolest word that we can co-opt from the internet right now. It's it's pretty epic, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty epic, you guys. Um, <laughs> it's because y- corporations can't really do YOLO with a straight face. You know, they they can't <laughs> YOLO guys. <laughs> they can't take that from the children. Uh, although all <laughs> they the can't YOLO, take that from the children. <laughs> all the YOLO children are now adults, but. Uh, <laughs> the the epic thing corporations were like actually that's ours now <laughs> we're, we're going to use that and 2010 was the peak and i'm sorry epic mickey you were a casualty to corporations trying to look <laughs> cool saying epic and that's a bummer you want to know what my problem is with epic mickey is um they bill it as this is a world full of like forgotten disney characters and ideas and concepts but most of what you see is like oh this is shmi from peter pan but his colors are a little different i i feel like the idea for this game is like absolutely genius and yeah they just kind of fell short in some areas but i i still like it overall um I never played two because I heard it was really not good. Like they didn't fix any of the problems of the first one and added more problems on top of that. So I was really bummed out about that. And never played it. And then it fizzled out and that sucks. I think it should have, uh, it should have been a series that kept going, but you know, 
Them's the breaks. Yeah, Epic Mickey almost feels like a direct reaction to Kingdom Hearts being cool, but Kingdom Hearts also having this set of flaws that are like, it gets up his own ass so easily. And mm-hmm. uh, it it abandons both the Final Fantasy and Disney aspects of it pretty quickly in order to tell its own story, which is cool. But also, I think you sometimes just want that story that it would be. And Epic Mickey seems like that, like what that would have been if it just kept with the Disney stuff and had that kind of Kingdom Hearts-esque story, but did it with the Disney stuff. Uh, so it is a bummer that it didn't work out. I think Epic Mickey yeah. deserves another look. I agree. Like, like, like I said, the first game, I get it. it it's not flawless. It's got some big issues. But man, what's there? I I just love it. I think I'm but, I'm gonna replay Epic Mickey. <laughs> I think you... I think I might. I think I might too. It's been a while. Yeah, I got it on Wii, so I'll just pop it in the old <laughs> Wii U and I'll I'll play it. Yeah, I I think I'll join you. It boy, now I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you beat Charlie Hotep. <laughs> <laughs> you, Speak, speaking you of up. playing things. You get Charlie Hotep to dis- you trick him into destroying the the devil's toy box, and once he does that, he gets sucked into it, and all the toys of power get sucked into it and stuff. Um, yeah. Did you notice? This is something I did not realize until this playthrough. I guess just because I only played it the once before. I can't believe this is only my second time playing this season. It's so good. But uh, did you notice that the- all of the songs? All of the lullabies for Junior that you play on the piano are based on real nursery rhymes slash lullabies. Yeah, and if you get Sam to sing it by uh, using the playing cards of whatever reading minds, uh, he sings it in the actual way that the yeah. nursery rhyme goes. I never That's knew that cool. before. And then... I was listening to, yeah, when I did that on Sam, he started singing uh, Eternal Darkness to the tune of You Are My Sunshine. I was like, wait a minute. And then I did it for all of them. And I was like, whoa, that's great. I never noticed that before. Yeah. And Jared Emerson Johnson's such a little sneaky deek about it. Uh, He (laughs) hides all of the all of the the light motifs of the nursery rhymes really well. Yeah. Well, because the Sam clones are chanting it rather than singing it. So it kind of throws you and the music in the background is not the song. So mm-hmm. the only right way you really know it is by. Uh, if Is if you listen to Sam, uh, it's great. It's awesome. Yeah. And. Uh, so after that, uh, Charlie Hotep is, is not a problem anymore. Junior is not even really a problem anymore. They were about to. He was like in the middle of being summoned, but then Max, with all of his residual psychic energy, um, sort of lands on where Junior was being summoned and absorbs Junior. Which is not great. It's not a good thing for Sam to see happen, and it's not a good thing for Max to do. Max, Yeah, but Max is into it. Max turns into a half-Max, half giant kaiju-esque dark dimension cthulhu man and that's how we leave <laughs> the episode man. with cthulhu max uh about <laughs> to destroy new york city 
Yeah, boy, what a, what a, I know I say this for every episode, but boy, do they know how to trail into the next one to really hype it up. I think that this episode is my favorite episode of Sam and Max so far. Wow, high praise. That's a, I think it's my second favorite. I think that so much of what all of the different threads in a really good TV show with the A plot and then like the side characters are usually doing a B plot and a sitcom-esque thing, right? Uh, what mm-hmm. those plots are doing is addressing the same themes and ideas, but not uh, using the same plot materials, using different elements of the story. And this, I think, does this the best that I've clocked so far in Sam and Max. Um, It's all about someone that you care for exceeding you. Yeah. Yeah, if you listen to... If you read Sam's mind in the beginning of the episode, uh, he even says, like, uh, Max is getting more and more powerful. Pretty soon he won't even need a partner. Yeah, I I have that written down. Uh, He says that, and then at some point, Sam sees one of the Sam clones, which are either called Samulacra or Doggelgangers, depending on your preference. Uh, He sees one of the Doggelgangers hug like a white rabbit toy, and then Mm -hmm. Sam hugs Max in the same way. Uh, This this episode... (laughs) Not just this episode, but this season really does a good job of bringing a franchise like Sam and Max into an area where it can tell a more dramatic story very well. Yeah. Um, it, th- this episode's about giving up something that is special to you. Like, in the very literal sense of it, it's Charlie Hotep, who seemed to have some sort of parental bond, almost, with Junior. And I think that's the same in Toy Story, where Woody, Woody is... Andy's toy but like Andy to Woody is almost like a son he he Woody feels that he raised Andy whether or not that's true at all um, because mm-hmm. Andy never heard from Woody and, and would not have said that himself because that would be a crazy thing to say <laughs> um, Woody's my dad what my my toy is my dad and my cowboy <laughs> is my life I call him dad in front of my friends my conscious is clear and my cowboy is here <laughs> wow um and, and so that that's like the the literal interpretation of that but also over this whole series uh sam has been slowly grappling with the idea that max is becoming something that doesn't need a sam anymore and that was always the whole point of their dynamic the entire sam and max series narratively between the two characters and also meta-narratively between the creators and the audience has been dependent on the hinge that Max is the very powerful, unhinged force of chaotic justice that needs to be done in order for the story to be cool. And Sam is the guiding force that will point that laser into a pinpoint and actually make it pop the balloon, if you know what Mm -hmm. I mean. Oh, I know, all right. Uh, so with Max becoming more and more powerful, he's absorbing all of these psychic toys, uh, on on a mechanical level, that really differentiates the characters all of a sudden, because before they were balanced out 
by Sam is the one that you control and carries the inventory. But Max is the one with the personality and that just sort of does things sometimes. Mm -hmm. So Max is almost literally so in Hit the Road, the the LucasArts one. He's almost a uh, an inventory item of Sam's most of the time. And that dynamic is what kept them together. So in this third season of the Telltale Games, they're sort of playing around with this idea of like, yeah, you still are Sam. And you still are the person with the inventory items. And you're the person that you control, Sam. But what if Max is like way less dependent what if max has items of his own that these psychic uh toys comprise what if max doesn't actually need to be focused anymore he's got all these powers that he is a threat unto himself and needs to be checked in some sort of way but also does he need to be checked he could probably take or leave sam at this point Max doesn't seem to notice that this growth within himself is happening, but the people that are growing in our lives rarely do. Am I right, Dustin? You're so right, Mitch. I think about that every time we do this podcast. <laughs> Wait, about me? I think, man, someday he's gonna he won't need <laughs> me to do this podcast. Someday someday Mitch will be talking about CSI all by himself. There, maybe hopefully. Dustin, I'll promise you right now, I will never talk about csi all by myself ah shit (laughs) sorry bud i know you thought that you were gonna trick me into doing that just now you're gonna have to be there for that episode i was i was trying to talk you into into thinking you didn't need me anymore that episode by the way is either four episodes or 20 episodes depending on how we split it uh can you believe that of the 140 telltale games 20 of them are CSI games. and That's a big chunk. And something around the mark of 23 to 25-ish, I'd have to check, are Walking Dead games. That one makes a little more sense, just because it was so huge. Well, Only it was 16. huge for a little bit. Only 16 yeah. Sam and Max games. Yeah, I still think of Sam and Max as Telltale. Like, this is the series I think of for Telltale, not Walking Dead. Even though Walking Dead is like obviously like inarguably their biggest series they had only three more sam and max episodes than there are minecraft episodes that's so crazy i really wish they did another monkey island yeah i would like uh now i want one now yeah so i was talking before about the way that in a good episode of a tv show and by the way we started this whole podcast comparing telltale's offerings to a tv show we sort of stopped talking about that a little bit but it's coming back um like a good episode of a tv show all of the plots are distinct from each other but are talking kind of about the same idea and in this episode i think it it becomes very evident why bosco and sybil aren't here because of that Ooh, go on explain to me this so if it's about someone exceeding you and not needing you anymore that's what grandpa stinky and girl stinky have uh whether it's girl stinky not needing grandpa stinky to co-opt the diner from her or grandpa stinky not needing a newer generation of stinky to co-opt the diner from him it kind of goes both ways in that case um Mm -hmm. you see that theme 
emerge again in uh, in those two in a lesser way. You also see it with Mama Bosco and Bosco. Uh, despite the fact that Bosco doesn't show up, Mama Bosco has been looking for the the person that like wronged her for so long and it turned out to be Bosco and she ruined Bosco's life a little bit by accident. Remember that? Yeah, boy, do I remember. <laughs> um, Bosco no longer has the kind of severe mental illness of anxiety that uh, began because of Mama Bosco's interfering in his life. He no longer has that. So he's exploded into independence recently by going to <laughs> Vegas and just sort of trashing himself. With his good friend Bluster Blaster. With his good friend Bluster Blaster. We'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> but he's now become more independent as well. And it caused Mama Bosco to have to do this whole other thing in life that like, weirdly doesn't involve him. So I, I think that's why Sybil and Bosco really aren't major players through this season. Because, well, Sybil doesn't really have anything to say about that you know, theme. And Bosco is the part of the theme that shows what happens when that thing that you're taking care of does become independent and go away. Uh, so it it all it all sort of comes together kind of nicely in that in that way. I if I worked on it harder, I could maybe BS some way that Bluster Blaster is also attached to that theme, but it's not coming to mind immediately. So yeah, I, I mean, he did leave the cops. Well, they let him go, didn't they? Yeah, they fired him. I don't think it's the same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but that's that's the idea that that's drawing all of these characters together. This idea of letting your child grow up, and this maybe is, in in my opinion, the greatest strike against the fan favorite pet theory that Sam and Max are gay lovers. Uh, and, and I hate to say this because I do like that theory. Um, I think this is, is is the biggest strike against it because it portrays Sam as a much more paternal figure than romantic figure in Max's life. Um, I see that. It, yeah, I get that. It means he's he's keeping him together. And there, there's some romantic relationships out there that are like that, where there's you know someone who's just a very chaotic person in life, and and their their partner. Um, sort sort of keeps them them grounded but i think this goes beyond that this goes into like it's time for max to exceed sam and if that's the case we're not talking about a romantic partnership because that's not what happens in those that's what happens in parental ones right um so that's that's just some stuff i was thinking about this season's got a lot to say um, at least I do. <laughs> I Maybe I'm over-reading all of it. Who knows? That's what's cool about it. If it makes you think about stuff like this. Yeah. Um, an inverse of this is, is when Charlie Hotep... Um, like, he, he's the villain because he tries to stop this natural process of your kid growing up. Uh, and he tries to artificially enact control over those that have mental independence like sam uh and at, at some point sam is able to ask charlie hotep why me why am i the one that you targeted to make clones out of and why am i the one that 
you're you're controlling right now like why is why did you do this to me and charlie hotep says because anyone else has that part of their brain that like rebels against direct authoritative control it's and then he says this word for word it's almost as if you were born to be ordered around sam Ooh, that feels hurdy to me (laughs) (laughs) hurdy uh yeah that 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 almost hurts a little bit to hear that and that that's yeah, show Sam a little respect. Jeez. Well, it, at first it, it He's hurts. He's a dog that wears a tie. <laughs> at first it hurts because you think, oh, maybe that is true about Sam. But then it hurts because you realize it's not. Because it's not true about Sam. No one is. Sam has not followed the law in tons of instances. He's very independent, if you think about it. Charlie Hotep's just saying that because that's how he views people. That's how he views Junior and that's how he views the idea of someone becoming independent out from under him uh, as something that needs to be corrected and something that can be corrected because people sometimes are born to be ordered around in his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so he's he's the foil to, um, to Mama Bosco in that way because Mama Bosco is like the, the version of this theme where the caretaker accepts the person growing up out from under them, where Charlie Hotep is the person who does not accept it and needs to rebel against this uh, thing that that is happening in his life. Yeah. um, Bosco did ask his mom for some money, though. Well, yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) Okay, yeah. He had to be a male stripper to make money to pay off his debts, so he's like, uh... Yeah, but he, Mama Vasco's not going to give it to him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She doesn't seem, like, particularly helpful in that way. Yeah, it, I, in the letter he even says, Hey, uh, I think I'm uh, think I'm going to be here for a while. <laughs> uh, that's what I had to say about this episode. Do you have anything else before we get into segments? Well, um... Sorry, I know I, I took over a lot of that section just now. No, that's fine. It was great. I enjoyed hearing it. Um, well, we do meet... This episode has a lot of great characters in it. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into them when we get to uh, our our weekly guys. Yeah. But, uh, see, now, now I'm a little uh, self-conscious. I feel like any notes I have to say aren't on uh, that level. I have stuff like... Uh, Sam clones, when playing Face of Darkness, are playing air guitar. Yeah, <laughs> that is good though. That's it's important to note because I didn't say that. Yeah, it's great. It because for each of these songs, they're all doing like some sort of dance, but most of them are pretty. Like I don't want to say elegant, but they're a little more straightforward. And then this one just has them all playing air guitar. Yeah, it's great. Um. Sal, it sounds like, is not in a great place by the end of this episode. No, there's a little end of credit stinger about it. Do you want to describe that? Yes, I will. So earlier in the episode, uh, Girl Stinky and Sal are being hypnotized by the master. At the time, you don't know who it is, but you eventually find out it's uh, Charlie Hotep. Um, And you have to get over to the control panel for the clones... And it in doing this, Girl Stinky ends up 
knocking Sal off of the platform down into the uh, into the depths below in this chamber, and you just hear him scream. So after the credits, uh, girl Stinky snaps out of her trans, and she's like, "Oh, geez, what's going on, Sal?" And she she kind of calls out for Sal, and she sounds uh, very worried. So. Uh, we we don't see what happens, but might not be super good times for our good friend Sal the Cockroach. The Cockroachman. It might it might be a bad time for Sal the Cockroachman. Um Yeah, it's it's if it's not good, it's probably bad. I've said that a lot in my life, and you know what? <laughs> we need to embrace the gray for Sal yeah. the Cockroachman. Maybe it's a neutral thing that he felt to him. <laughs> yeah, it might be fine. So very strange choice for like a post credit stinger because all of the the post credit stingers are either like big jokes in Sam and Max or they're they're hints at the lore or what happens in the next episode specifically. This is none of those things. It's just girl stinky kind of being sad. Yeah, this is like this is not a joke. This is kind of a serious thing. Yeah, it's it's just something that they wanted to make sure the audience saw real quick. Hey, by the end, uh, Girl Stinky's really sad. <laughs> bye. Anyway, see you next anyway, time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up. So earlier in this episode, uh, when you go to Mama Bosco's before you bring her back to life, uh, Harry Molman, our favorite guy, and Agent Superball are here. They're trying to perform a seance to bring her back. Yeah. And I have two notes about this. Okay. One, is it me or does it sound like Harry Molman is every now and then slipping into an accent he's never had before? Dustin, I'm so glad you brought this up. Yes, I was not going to say anything <laughs> about it because I I have less of an ear for voice acting than you do for sure. And maybe I was, you know, just hearing something that maybe was always there. But he seems to have a New Jersey patois a little bit from time to time. Yeah, and and it's not that it doesn't fit him. I think it I think it would fit him, but just the fact that you're breaking that out in episode 4 of season 3? <laughs> yeah. We've known Harry Molman since season or season 1 episode 3. Uh, yeah, and he's just always kind of talked like this. He's just kind of had a normal voice. But now he's st- starting to sound like kind of like this. I would not describe him as having a normal voice, but I agree <laughs> that it's been one thing for a very long time. Yeah, and now it's kind It sounds like he's kind of... He's, he's not fully committing to it. He's kind of testing the waters with it a little bit. Yeah, he's tasting a little ham on that one. He's... He's... He, He's kind of trying to branch out, seeing if it lands with people. He's licking the honey bake to see what see what it tastes <laughs> like. You know what? Good for him for trying some new things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should all have the different other- accents from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just mix it up a little. Hey, I'm Mitchell Wolf here. What yeah, do you I'm want? You want a podcast? Here. I can make you a podcast. <laughs> Mitch, I don't want to say that voice doesn't suit you because it really does. And I'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) But my other note for this scene, also Harry related. Uh I think this is the first time I legit kind of feel a little bad for him. Because so what you have to do here. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) You you convince him that you are talking to the dead and you're talking to his uh, his dead uncle Morty. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, but um, you have to figure out how to get him to believe this. And you do this by like reading his mind, looking into his future, et cetera, et cetera. You got to find out what will get him to buy this. But when you get him to buy it, he believes you so hard and is so <laughs> like, he genuinely appreciates you as a friend. He thanks Max from the bottom of his heart. He sounds like the happiest he's ever been in his life. And you lied to yes, him. Yes, but the reason he is so happy is because he gets to ask his dead uncle where he hid his stamp collection so he can have it. That's true. It, it so is it's a not like he missed his uncle. Yeah, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you talked me out of it. <laughs> this, no, you gotta remember, this guy sucks. Yeah, he's not good. But just the... F- uh, just how happy he sounded and just like legit thanking Max, which is something he would never before this. He had an attitude. He was he was like pissed. He was like, oh, yeah, you cheated me out of all that money. Thanks, assholes. And and he's had it with Sam and Max at this point. And he's just like, thank you, Max. <laughs> and, and then he runs off happily. But you're right. I did forget that it was only because he wanted his stamp collection. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's just that and i i love that super ball just comes in just to say like hey by the way i remember i'm in this <laughs> just in yeah, case you what forgot, a pair i need maybe to they should do a spin-off thing they should do a spin-off called uh super ball and harry bouncing around <laughs> bouncing around this big old world uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really loving the idea of Super Bowl and Harry Mullman who have like nothing in common and no chemistry together, just on adventures. And like you try to have conversations with them and they just neither of them like each other and they're just quiet most of the time. You know, as a kid playing through Sam and Max, my favorite character was Super Bowl. Easily my favorite character was <laughs> Why? Super Bowl. Easily. Easily. Ethan, wow. Didn't have to think very hard about it at the time. I he remember. He blew the competition away. He he really did. I loved Super Bowl. That's so funny to me. Not once did it ever cross my mind that Super Bowl would be my favorite character. <laughs> or good I, at all. <laughs> I I appreciate him. He's I when he shows up, I'm not like, oh, Super Bowl again. But, you know, he, something I I'm really not, like, liked overjoyed. about Super Bowl was the way that he would always guard Sam and Max's closet from season two on. Uh, <laughs> like, you can't get into your own closet. And Super Bowl's like, yeah, there's stuff that you don't even know is going on, going on in this closet. <laughs> uh, which he, I don't felt remember like what was... it is. What is it? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't remember. I don't think you go in the closet after that. Wait. Isn't it crazy that not not once do you go into Sam and Max's office in season three? Yeah, that that is strange. But wait, is there really no... Do you not find out what he's guarding? I don't think so. I, I don't remember. Whoa. Okay, wait. So that happens... I think that happens after... It's, uh, it's in Chariot of the Dogs because you use the you get the time card from him right when you scan him yeah but when you visit him in chariot of the dogs that's not the time period from chariot of the dogs that's the time period from what's new beelzebub the next episode right right right. so if, if if we're to go by the pattern of 
something new from the previous case is added to the closet every episode. I guess it's something from Chariot of the Dogs is added to that closet. Is it just the time machine elevator? Well, the time machine elevator is to the side. Yeah, but it's it's like do they have another one which is the future of that time machine elevator in that closet at the time? Boy, I wish I knew. <laughs> Do they really this, never this is... talk about that? Because that was like such a mystery to me as, as a kid growing up. With that. <laughs> like I was thinking like, oh man, there's something crazy in that closet. Uh... There's something crazy in there. Mitch, I got to tell you, I don't think it's ever once occurred to me that th- that there was something in that closet after that. So I don't think they touch upon course, it ever. What no. do you mean never? He, why is he guarding it then? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, d- I don't think it ever comes up after that. But you never know. Maybe in the future. Do you think Dave Grossman is reachable via email? And I could just ask? Oh, I'm sure. I don't know if he'd answer, but I'm sure you could ask. <laughs> yeah, I could even just ask someone else's email account. I could I could always ask. You could ask me and I'd give you an answer. Um, Dustin, is it time to get into segments? I think it's time to get into our segments. Dustin, what's your potent pickup? My potent pickup? This was a tough one because I feel like everything in this episode did stand out except for the pickups this time Mm. except for you know the toys which you get which are but i decided not to go with the toys this time i decided to go with bosco's letter okay and the reason why the reason why is because it ties into two characters that we have not seen in this season so far yet and I was really excited to have them kind of tie into it. Okay. Bluster Blaster gives you this letter from Bosco, neither of which have been seen up until this point. Bosco is not even seen at this point. But our, we meet up with our good friend Bluster Blaster, and I was overjoyed. I was like, there he is, there he is, there's my friend. And uh, then he gives you this letter from Bosco, it, it it was just nice. I like that they brought in these char- these two familiar characters into this bigger story, even if it wasn't like that big a role. Uh, then you know the letter brings back Mama Bosco, so it had a it had a bigger purpose. But mostly, it's just because it tied into these two characters. So it's less the pickup itself. But I was kind of struggling to think of a pickup this week, so I went with this. Uh, mine is the cards. Um, yeah, see, I, I was going to do that one, but I feel like it would have been the only one. So you briefly got to use the cards in the intro to episode one of the season, which turned out to be not reality. It was like a, an alternate reality when things went a certain way, but that didn't happen because you saw the future. So you changed it uh, or specifically mm-hmm. Skunkape changed it. Uh, and that was the only time you got access to the cards before. So this is the first time Sam and Max actually have the cards. And uh, in that intro, they weren't very interesting. You would just... Characters would give you little clues. In this episode, I think it's the most fun toy you have access to. It's... you're, you're All of the characters have interesting little things they're thinking all the time. 
And it, that's how you get Sam's dialogue about Max not needing him anymore, even. Yeah. Did he say eating him? Needing him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. <laughs> he he just isn't eating him anymore these days. Why is Sam not eating me out? Mac, damn it. <laughs> okay. I messed it up. Uh, yeah, I like the cards. I think we got the gist of it. What are the cards called? Oh, shit. I don't even they're, remember. They're, they're, I just called them the cards. Yeah, they're playing cards that let you read minds. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. Um, Dustin, golden yeah. moment. Golden moment? I think it just has to be the whole last act. It's so good. The part with the Charlie Hotep showdown. The, the music, the dancing clones. It's such a striking visu- visual. Because you're at the Statue of Liberty. You're not even in the city. You're away from the city. But you see it in the distance. And you, you're just at this big statue with these tentacles. And, and all these Sam clones. It's bananas. It's absolute bonkers. It is really good. And I should pick that section. But what I'm doing instead is... <laughs> Uh, when you're trying to get the Chthonic Destroyer from the other dimensions, mm-hmm. um, the first time Sam comes back from one of those other dimensions and Max asks him, hey, how'd it go? Uh, Sam goes, oh, it was fine. I just need to repress some of what I saw down deep into my subconscious. And then you see, uh, I guess, an artist's depiction of Sam's subconscious with him just like flying flapping his arms with wild abandon into the darkness of the void of his mind and i just thought that was a it lasted like two seconds but i thought that was just a really funny cutaway yeah that was good oh um one thing i want to bring up uh just because it's not even like that important but if you use the future vision on bluster blaster and see what lies in store for him yeah He's he's floating in space. I don't remember says, what happens. This is awesome. <laughs> I don't remember what happens to him if anything in the next episode. So I don't recall. Yeah, this might be after this might be like far into the future. <laughs> yeah, I don't recall why he is this way uh if there is a reason given, <laughs> but I love that just at some point he's lost to the void of space. Yeah, but he's having a great time, so I guess good for him. Yeah, and I guess he doesn't need to be plugged in. Yeah, he he's just on his own. Most of the cops aren't shown to be plugged in either. Yeah, because they're in the they're in the DeSoto. But I can imagine them having batteries that they like recharge every night or so. If Bluster Blaster is just going through space, he's going to run out of something at some point. <laughs> That's true. But he likes. Maybe it. he'll be found. Maybe he'll fi- be fi- found. Blah, 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 blah. Maybe he'll be found by some sort of uh, alien civilization in a future Sam and Max season. They always talk about how hurtling through space with no destination in mind is a bad thing. But what they don't mention is that it's fine if you like it. (laughs) That's true, yeah. I mean, he looked like he was having a great time, so why bother him? Yeah, like he wasn't really serving society in any other kind of way. So it's fine that he's gone, and it's fine that this is what he's it's doing. It's fine that he's gone. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I guess that's true. Even though I was overjoyed to see him, I guess it would be fine if he was gone. He's not a member of cops anymore. He's It's just fine. <laughs> that breaks my heart. I don't like that. Because if you ask him about rejoining the cops, he says, uh, that, that part of my life has been terminated. Uh... I don't like, I like the cops as a group, but I guess things change, you know? Yeah. You gotta move on. Um, Dustin, how fast can we do linguistics gymnastics? 
Um, I have a few, but you do yours first this time. Can I feel we... like I've been. I feel like I've been starting out this time. Can we cap of both of ours at four each? Because I feel yes. like this is a big episode for lines. Yes. Okay, so maybe my favorite line in the episode is Sal when he's being controlled by Charlie Hotep. Um, <laughs> like, just if you wander around for a while, he eventually just says this out of nowhere. He says, guys, the master's laughing at you. Uh, sorry, but that's how it is. <laughs> and, I never got that. That's great. Yeah, I, 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 I love that line. Um, sorry, but that's how it is. Uh, Max at one point when uh, referring to Stinky when she's in a thrall says I wouldn't be I wouldn't want to be the master when Stinky snaps out of it she stayed up she straight up hates thralls Um, (laughs) Superball when trying to conduct uh, the seance says as a medium I'm more of an extra small uh, which is a, a great little joke from Super Bowl. One of the rare instances of Super Bowl making a joke. I liked it. Yeah, and then Sam calls back to that later. Uh, when he come when he comes back laughing from the uh, dimensional destabilizer, and he's laughing hysterically. He says, "I just got that uh, medium extra small joke." <laughs> <laughs> That's Super Bowl. <laughs> um. Earlier in the episode, and this is my last one, when you see Sal out by the warehouse where he works now, if you use the cards on him and you read his mind, his inner thoughts are, Doobie doobie doo, stacking some crates up, doobie doobie doo. Uh, And that's (laughs) the only thing he's thinking about while he's stacking some crates up. And Max comments at that point about how Sal really is a pretty simple guy. Um, that's why we love him that's why we love him dustin what are your linguistic gymnastics my linguistic gymnastics uh so i'm gonna start out with one from sal too also when he's being hypnotized by uh charlie hotep this is the one i thought you were gonna say okay uh but so if you talk to him you're like uh sal snap out of it and sal says uh he says, uh, Sal's not really here right now, guys. Only the, uh, what do you call it? Indomitable will of the master. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, good. Um, one line is from Bluster Blaster. Um, it's not that funny, but the way he says it is very funny. <laughs> um, when he gives you the letter, um, he yell. I, I forget if Sam asked him, like, uh, so are are you gonna go back for Bosco? He says, uh, "I never want anything to do with Bosco ever again." <laughs> <laughs> and he, he <laughs> yeah, uh, he's he sounds so legit, like he never wants to deal with what happened. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he would rather leave the planet, evidently, than talk to Bosco again. <laughs> That's true. Um. Uh, okay, third one. Um, it's when Charlie Hotep's talking to Sam, and he says, uh, you're my slave, my pawn, my, what's the word? Puppet? And then all of the Sam clones in unison go, ha ha ha, very ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
all right. Uh, last one is when uh, the toy box is breaking. And, you know, it's this big, it's it's super bright. It's this big display. And Sam says, uh, close your eyes, Max. And Max goes, why? This is so cool. And Sam goes, hey, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. That's all I got. Cool. Who's your weekly guy? My weekly guy. This was tough since this week had a lot of really good characters. It did. I gave it to Charlie Hotep. I think he kind of steals the show, but only by like a pinch. I almost gave it to Bluster Blaster because I was so excited to see him and he has lots of great lines. But I mean, Charlie Hotep is just the, he sells this whole last act and he's only in it for that last act. Well, I mean, you get him before that for a couple puzzles, but only for this last part of the game is he like an actual character. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he makes a very strong impression. He has some funny lines. Uh, and it just throws you for a loop that he, what you thought was just one of the toys of the toy box is now the villain of the episode. I still don't know why he's named that. I don't either. Other than it's just a good name. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they just said, yeah, that's a good name for a dummy. Uh, mine's Sal a second time. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Sal's so good. I think Sal might be my favorite character in every episode he's in, uh, which... He's so good. Maybe he's a good reason he's only in two, but also, I'd like it more if he was in a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you won't have to worry about it pretty soon, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not worried, but I do like the guy. Me too. Guys, the the master's laughing at you. Sorry, but that's uh, that's how it is. Uh, <laughs> sounds great. Only the uh, what do you call it? Indomitable will of the master. <laughs> uh, do you have an unweekly guy? I do have an unweekly guy, and it's Harry. Mole- I wonder if we're it's Harry ass mole man again. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, now that you reminded me, he only wanted his stamp collection. I get that, but at the time, I felt so bad for him for once, but. <laughs> It it was ill deserved. Uh, it was it it was almost Super Bowl just because he doesn't do much. But Super Bowl had that great extra small medium joke, uh, <laughs> and you were like, "Soul." Yeah, I like that guy. <laughs> He's my favorite. You won me over. <laughs> He's your favorite character in all of Sam and Max. Um, also, my a strong guy. contender was Girl oh, Stinky. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, she's very unhelpful in this episode. Yeah, she's annoying. <laughs> but I don't want to get do that, that to my boy, Saul. Yeah, I actually, my unweekly guy is Grandpa Stinky for firing Sal. Oh, wow. Yeah, how do you do that? He's such a good guy, and he just threw him out. Just because he was a cockroachman. Yeah, just because he was a big cockroachman. <laughs> and yeah. Sam, Sam even brings up, it's like, uh, you never minded having cockroaches in the kitchen before. And he says, I tiny ones, tiny little cockroaches, not giant cockroachmen. But Sal is more clean than yeah. regular I'm sure Sal washes his hands. Yeah. Yeah, he has, he has sentience. He can choose to be a clean man. If Sal has a bunch of germs on him like cockroaches do, then those germs would be so big 
<laughs> yeah, you would see them. You would see those germs. You would just scrub them away. <laughs> you would pick you, them you up like lice. Give Sal, give Sal a nice bath. Yeah, he's got a hard body. You could probably spray him down with some corrosive acid and just take off that first layer of whatever filth is there and he'd be like, fine with hey, it. Thanks. Hey, thanks hey, for getting rid of my this. germs. <laughs> I I really love that you just have to do a Patrick Warburton impression in your cell. That, I mean, that's what he is. <laughs> yeah, he's, he literally is just a Patrick Warburton impression. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, well, that's all I got for today, Dustin. Anything else you wanted to touch on? That's all I got. It is a very, very good episode. It's weird because I feel like playing it, when I was playing it, I was kind of like, am I going to like this episode as much as I used to? Because it used to be my second favorite too. Because like the whole, you know, like we touched on before, the structure of the episode is a little weird. It kind of throws you off. But no, it's great. Like even just talking about it now, there's so many like great moments that stand out, great lines, great characters. I still, personally, I still like episode two a little more. I feel like it was a little funnier and a little more uh, interesting with its Mm. setting and uh, the way it's structured. But I feel like this one's very close. And I think that finale part of it really brings it even closer. So it's like a very small pinch. I think that episodes two and four of this season are up to what we've played so far the two best episodes of Sam and Max entirely. Um, I'd say they're the two best episodes of anything we've played on the show. But I guess most of what we've done on the show is Sam and Max. At least in the top three of everything that we've played on the show. Because, like, what are are the other contenders? They feel so small in comparison now. I know, right? Like, this season just blows the other ones away. I guess uh, Chariot of the Dogs, Ice Station Santa. Yeah, like, Reality 2.0. Chariot of the Dogs is pretty out there. Chariot of the Dogs is cool. I don't think... In in terms of doing, like, very reality-bendy, cool stuff, I think this next episode we're about to get into does it better and episode two the in the movie stuff does it better um mm-hmm. and, and, and i'm excited like, to play this next episode because i remembered not liking this next episode as much as episodes four or two but maybe that'll change dangerous three i think was something that we considered one of the better episodes oh, we played and like it doesn't touch these it's great yeah but I love Dangerous 3 for being Dangerous 3, not for being a great Telltale game. It's amazing how good they got at making point-and-click adventure games just for this season, and it's kind of the end of it. Yeah, this is kind of the swan song. Was Walking Dead like right... No. Walking Back Dead's to the like future three was years after this, after this actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, Back to the Future and Jurassic Park were between this and Walking Dead, but both of those games are sort of like... Proto- they're kind of in between. They're prototyping the thing that Walking Dead will become. Yeah. Uh, well, Jurassic Park totally really is the Jurassic first Park. one that does it. And then it was just bad, I guess. Yeah, if I remember hearing right, it people didn't really like it. I, nev- I never played it. it. When it's all about making a game that tells a story and then that story is bad, the game design can't really do much. Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, I guess. Um, and, and that's why but i guess we'll get to that someday yeah. someday <laughs> uh, that turns out to be one of the most expensive telltale games to acquire nowadays 
Yeah, I don't know if I want to shell out the cash for Jurassic Park. Yeah, we'll have to figure something out. I Yeah. I was hoping that by episode whatever this is, 25, uh, we would have developed some way to extort money from our listeners. But that would require <laughs> listeners. Uh, so, you know, you know how yeah, that is. Yeah, those of you listening, step it up, you know, be a team player. Yeah, buy us these $200 games that we need in order to persevere please yeah then we'll talk about him for an hour and yeah, then we'll talk about you for a minute i guess yeah we'll talk about you for a minute and then the episode for maybe a few minutes and then then we'll see where it goes dustin where can people then we'll find talk you? about epic mickey where can we talk people to can you find about me. epic mickey you know what you can send all of your epic mickey questions to amazing dj dustin on twitter or you can send them to my art Twitter, Dustin Doodles. Maybe send it to the other one. The other one's for artwork. But uh, Mitch, I would love to know where they could ask you questions about other video games. You could ask me about a boy and his blob at <laughs> twitter.com slash thewolffm. Or by searching on twitter.com for at thewolffm. That's T-H-E-W-O-L-F-E-F-M. I'll do that. Next episode, we're going to be covering the last Sam and Max episode. It's crazy that it's it's so soon. We're almost done. And this won't be the last time we see the characters, but it will be the last time they have a season to themselves. Sam and Max is the thing that made me really like Telltale Games. And Same. they seem to not be around anymore. So this at least in the form that they have been previously. So this really is the last episode of Sam and Max in that way. Uh it not counting the VR game. I'm 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 a little choked up about it, Dustin. I'm a little choked. I am I am too. I don't know if I'm ready to be done with Sam and Max. I'm enjoy like even though this season blew away the past two seasons, I I've liked every season of Sam and Max. Before I replayed season one, I was thinking, oh, season one's not that great. It's, uh, you know, this was them just starting with Sam and Max. They were just get learning the ropes. But no, going back yeah, and replaying yeah, it, it's yeah. great. It's yes. very funny. And I had a great time. So I, I don't know if I'm ready to be done with Sam and Max. I have a proposition, though. Okay. Mitchell. Uh-huh. I guess not a not a proposition, but... An uh, amendment. An idea. Okay. One of those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wanted to run it by you. How would you feel if once the remasters for these seasons are out, we just do one episode talking about the remaster, like just one episode talking about the whole remaster trilogy, just like talking about things they improved, thing, a, a little stroll down memory lane, a little special episode where we reminisce about Sam and Max and seeing them with a new coat of paint. For each remaster or like... No, just one episode covering all three. Oh, for sure. I would say so. If the show's still going when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> if the show is still going when that happens. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I feel like we'd be kind of doing them a disservice to not revisit them. And also, I'm just, like, dying to see how season three is going to look remastered. I, I hope it looks so good. Yeah. Like, because <laughs> season three kind of does some different things with the visuals. So I, I wonder if they're going to keep that in mind. Like, I, I figure they would. 
but like will it have the grainy effect over it um one thing i'm really looking forward to is playing it in 60 fps because it's i don't want to say it's like really chunky playing these on steam but they're a little chunky they're a little uh not as smooth as they could be but that's fine it was a different time yeah, they're uh, beautiful games, uh, but they they do every once in a while run into some technical stuff. I've encountered a bug several times that just has an image of the analog stick on the screen stuck on the screen wow. while I'm doing other I stuff. I haven't seen that. It's giant I've encountered too. a bug in Sam and Max 2, but he hasn't been in season three so far, just in the first two seasons. Well, there's Cockroachman. Yeah, but I mean the bug. Mm, the bug. I'm a bug. I am a bug. <laughs> he does. Man, if only if only he and Sal could have gotten to meet each other. Maybe Sal is a grown-up bug. <gasps> oh, man, the lore. the lore. Well, no, that wouldn't work because no, it's bad, Sal yeah. is already in the ki- <laughs> in the kitchen. Yeah, it was wrong, <laughs> but you don't need to be a guy about it. You can just say... <laughs> I was real excited about it for two seconds. Um, if you catch us next week, that's probably because you've subscribed to our podcast and get notifications when that happens. If you haven't, you won't know when we launch our next episode of the podcast, specifically about Sam and Max, The Devil's Playhouse, Episode 5. The city that dares not sleep. The last entry That's... in the Sam and Max series for over 11 years. It's it's funny because that doesn't even sound like, like a jokey joke Sam and Max title. It's not like Ice Station Santa or What's New Beelzebub. That's just like a dramatic story title. Yeah, well, Beyond the Alley of the, Doll, uh, of the Dolls is also sort of that. Uh, because like the joke in Beyond the Alley of the Dolls is that it's an alley instead of a valley, which isn't a yeah. joke. That's mm-hmm. just a different thing. That's <laughs> <laughs> a lateral move and none, but, not but a move toward comedy. Can... <laughs> wow, harsh, but true. <laughs> well, yeah, so that episode's coming out. Please remember to uh, subscribe, and if you can, give us a like or a, a review or, or uh, you know comment or tell a friend or or uh, record it on vinyl and do sell it Ooh, in the store. That would, on vinyl would be novel. If you take an episode of this podcast and press it to vinyl and sell it in the store, you can keep ninety percent of the profits before sending some our way. Yeah, but don't do it. A ghost might come out. A ghost? Okay. <laughs> this is the first I'm hearing about this, but I trust Dustin. Apparently, a ghost might come out. Yeah, don't. I don't know if you want to chance it. <laughs> okay. I didn't know about this, but I guess maybe don't do it because a ghost might come out. And until <laughs> next time, we'll see ya. Catch ya on the flip side. Is, is that a joke? Did you say flip side like it's a joke? No. <laughs> <laughs>